The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast with your host, metaphysician, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week, we will discover teachings, tips, and tools to radiate your best life ever with practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate light and hope with Kathleen Diane, who is in Massachusetts, in Plymouth, in fact, with her family in Boston Terrier. She's a writer, a recovering lawyer, a business owner, animal lover, and spiritual seeker who writes novels about spirituality. And Kathleen, Kathleen's latest novel is Before We Were Born. So I am so happy to have you on the show. I, I, I really appreciate you making time to talk with me. Oh, thank you, Christy. I, I love being here. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you. I love your Boston accent or your Massachusetts accent. <laughs> I heard you on uh, Coast to Coast with George Norrie talking about your book Before We Were Born. But let's let's back up before getting to that. So you're right up my alley. You're a, a medium, an animal lover, and all kinds of things. But how did you get to be on that path in the first place? You know, it started with some losses in my life, honestly. Um, I lost my sister when I was still in my 30s. And she was you know, we were really very, very close. Was, I'm one of five girls and uh, we were all been very close and um, she passed very quickly, unexpectedly. Oh, and that was, you know, it, it, it shakes up your world, you know, when you lose someone like that. Um, and I, um, I had this, I had an experience after she passed and I think it started to open something in me. Um, she came to me in a dream and she, um, it was about three or four months after she passed and she came and she sat on my bed and she was holding my hand and we had a conversation and I could see us from all points in the room, but I could also see her face. Like I was you know, having a face to face talk with her and it was amazing and it was so comforting. And 
Um, she had two people behind her. I couldn't see their faces. I could just see outlines and they were had light around them. And we had a, a really nice conversation. And then she, um, when, when we were done talking, she got up to, to leave and she let go of my hand and she went right out through the wall and her friends behind her went out behind her. And I, it made me start to think about, um, you know, once we've passed over, like, you know, how, is there still a way to connect? And that was the first thing that started me on my path. Wow. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And then you started like developing your gift and working with clients. I don't have clients. I just, I only work, um, my husband and I work together and we've just done it for our own spiritual growth. Um, I will give people a reading if they're, you know, if someone's in pain and I find, and, and I'm, and I'm asked, you know, to, um, to help them, I'll do that. I, I, it's a sacred thing to me. Um, I don't, I've never taken money for doing any kind of mediumship or, it just feels to me like uh, a privilege that I've been given. And uh, I'm not that, I, I'm very private about it usually. And so now it's now it's kind of out there in the world with this book. But you know, until that, most people didn't even know that I was a medium. So this is, um, this is new. This is, you know, but um, I'm trying to just embrace that. Yeah. Wow. And are you still a lawyer? I'm still a lawyer. I still have my license, but I don't practice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not good energy for me. Um, occasionally I'll have a friend call if they're having a, a problem. And if it's something I can, you know, help with quickly, I will, or if I can get them in the right direction. But other than that, it's it it's just not it's not in alignment with the way that I want to live my life. I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, especially when you're writing books like this, Before We Were Born, which is a novel mostly about reincarnation. Can you tell us about this this novel? It's amazing. Oh, sure. Um, so what happened is, um, is it okay if I give you a little more background? Please, yeah. Okay, so how I got there is, so a few years after my sister passed, I had... A friend of mine, um, we had been very close when we were younger, and we had not spoken to each other in about 20 years. And um, he um, he called me. We had a conversation for about an hour. Um, and three days after that, he passed away. And another unexpected death. And I um, I started getting the sense that he was in my house. And I will tell you, I was feel I was grieving his loss in a surprisingly deep way. I didn't expect it because we hadn't been in each other's lives for so long. And I realized we still had a connection between us. And I think that's some one of the first things that I learned is that, you know, love doesn't end. It changes, you yeah. know, but it doesn't end. And um, so I started feeling him and I knew he was around. I could, I could tell you where he was standing in the house. You know, I'd be like, I know he's here. And, and, you know, I would talk, talk to my husband about it. And, and, um, so we started going to, um, a, a local spiritualist church and, um, you know, they have mediums there. And so I was getting 
you know, messages about him and about my sister. My, my mom had passed when I was younger and I was getting all these great messages. And one night we went because they were having this thing called table tipping. And um, I had never heard of it. And we just thought, let's go. We'll check it out. And it's a form of physical mediumship. Um, I don't know if you've experienced it, but um, so it's it's a way of communicating with spirit where there's a small group. There were four of us and it's a very small table, maybe 20 inches wide and it has a pedestal um, base. And everybody's sitting there with the intention of communicating with spirit. We sit and we put our hands on the table very lightly. And, you know, when someone in spirit wants to come through, the table starts to move, it vibrates. And then, you know, if it really picks up enough energy, it'll start to rock. Wow. And it's, it is it is a wow moment. It really is. The table started rocking and then it stabilized itself. And then it walked right, walked over to me and landed in my lap. Goodness. Yeah, it's well, astonishing. Right. So what did that mean? Who was trying to connect? It was my friend. And the way we found out is um, one of the people that was sitting at our table, one of the four of us, was the pastor in the church. And she's a medium and she's just, you know, very talented and, and just lovely. And she helped with this whole thing. And she said, let's see if the person can tap out a message. And so they would, you know, if you tap once, it's an A and twice, it's a B and that kind of thing. Just really simple yeah. like that but he typed he tapped out his name and i i had thought that's who he was you know because i i was grieving and i felt that he was there to help me uh and so after that that really is what um made me want to embark on this journey and understand uh what this is that mediums are doing and how they're connecting and uh, so, you know, I, I did a whole lot of meditation because I think that's, you know, the best way to open up your um, your channel. Mm -hmm. and so I did that. And so, you know, after a lot of time and this is really um, it's it's a story that goes over a number of years because it started off with me being able to um, I could feel spirit touching, touching my skin. It feels like um, a, like a spider web on your skin. Yeah. Um, so that was the first thing I felt. And then um, I, I felt my third eye opening, my third eye would like burn. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it was various things like this. And then um, eventually, like when my third eye opened, I could see, I started seeing spirit lights in my home mm -hmm. and I could see auras. And so all these new things were happening. It was all really very exciting. And, um, you know, my, like I said, my husband did all this with me. So we were kind of on our own, just, you know, you know, finding out all these new interesting things. And wow. eventually I began to um, channel spirit. Mm -hmm. And um, so there was so many messages that were coming through that changed the way we saw ourselves and our lives. And I was still practicing law you know, during the day and, you know, table tipping and channeling at night. And you know, it's, a, it's a quite a contrast. Okay. Uh, but it was something that we were both really passionate about. And uh, so I'm, I'm the channel and he serves as like a grounding force. So mm -hmm. it's easier for me to communicate when he's with me and, 
you know, and that's how we usually do it. But, um, you know, he, he would write things down and there's notebooks filled with things that we were told. And I, you know, eventually I said, you know, we were communicating to someone in spirit and I said, I, I want to write about this. And I really don't want to write this as a nonfiction story. I, I, I'm a writer. Like I write, I write, I write fiction. I like stories. I've always loved stories. And, and they said, do anything you want with it. It doesn't matter, whatever you want. But some of the things they talked to us about was um, the idea that we had lived before. And I, I found out about some of those lives and, and the fact that, you know, we all reincarnate. We, you know, there are many, many lifetimes and there are connections that, that continue throughout lifetimes. And uh, it was just, it was just you know, mind blowing, really, all of it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the spirit just kind of gave you the idea for this novel. Yeah, they really did. That's the bones of the novel. So the way I, that's the way I like to put it is because those concepts came from them. I didn't have to create that from my imagination, but I wanted to fit a story into those concepts. And so I created. I created um, a story where these two people incarnate together over and over throughout lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the opening chapter is actually these two people in spirit and communicating amongst themselves and with their spirit, you know, spirit guides and friends and about incarnating again. And, um, you know, one of them really wanted to be born again because her mom from a different life was going to have another baby and she wanted the experience of being here, being in the physical and having that same mom. And her partner didn't want to, but he follows her anyway. And he chooses someone just because the mother is is nearby where his soulmate is being born. And he chooses this woman and she's she's not the best choice Um at least it seems that way for a very long time in the story. Her character does grow, uh, but she, but she is an alcoholic and a drug addict. And, and this um, little boy is born to her and he has fetal alcohol syndrome. He's born three months early. He's he's he just kind of has a really rough start in life. Right. But these two kids find each other right away. You know, and she, he's like this tiny little thing and he he squeezes underneath the fence. He sees her playing and they just are bonded from the start. So the this, this story is really about what happens in their lives and, um, you know, this strong um, soulmate connection that they have, but also being in this very real physical world and all the challenges it presents. And so it's not an easy path for them. You know, it's not, this isn't a romance because it doesn't follow that kind of formula. It's, it's, it's a tough read in some parts, but, um, Interesting. You know, yeah. So this, this notion of soulmate, I've heard so many different ways to put it. I have, you know, ways that I define it as well. How do you define it in this novel? You know, well, these two have a very special kind of um, connection. And I don't know that it's ever really defined, but I wanted it to be, they do have a romantic connection. That's who they are. And they, you know, when they're in spirit, they say that they're inseparable. 
you mm-hmm. know, and, and uh, you know, he, he is reminding her, he says, you know, well, not on earth. We don't have, it's not necessarily true, you know, and so that's why he picks someone close to her. But um, to me, apart from the novel, I think of a soulmate as someone that, um, that I travel with, you know, and I don't think there's just one. I think there are many. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Okay. People that we, mm-hmm. we travel with. It's kind of like here, if you're going to go on a, you know, you're going to go to Europe or something on a, on a big trip. Who are you going to pick? It's going to be the people that you love the most, that you want to have that adventure with. And I think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Right. And they have a, and so in this novel, they've got a, a mission, a job that they're going to do, or, or at least the something that they attempt, that they want to attempt together. Right. Yes. Yes. And it, you also based some of this on reincarnation research. Can you talk a bit about like what went into the planning of this novel? Um, I did look into a lot of stories, you yeah. know, about about um, reincarnation. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, I hope I have this name right. I don't have the notes in front of me. James Leninger, I believe his name was, this young boy. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was about two years old, he started talking about being a World War II fighter pilot. Um, I don't know if you've heard the story, but it's really fascinating. And he talked about his plane going down over the Pacific and him being stuck in the plane. And um, he's telling his parents this when he's two years old. And he started telling them, um, you know, the type of airplane he was in. And he said he named the... um, he he said that his plane had taken off from a boat, not from land, and he named it. It was called the Natoma, I believe. And they tracked all, all this, and they he told them the name of his best friend. And so it was really, really, um, you know, to me, it's it's just inarguable that this this boy had this experience. He couldn't have he couldn't have come up with this. Yeah, that's intense. Uh, yeah, where did you hear about that story? You know, I've I've heard it a few different times, but if you look it up, it's under. I, I believe it. I know his first name is James, and it was the same name in the the life before that. Um, he's you know he's got a, quite a lot of press. You know, so you'll find it. Um, yeah, I just found it. James Lining Leininger Leninger. It's, I think that's that's definitely the one, yeah. Yeah, fascinating. And uh, yeah, his book was Soul Survivor, The Reincarnation of a World War II Fighter Pilot. So um, you had pulled some of that information into this book. Did you look at any other well-known cases? Like how did how did you get all of the information to put into this fictionalized account? I got it all from spirit, honestly. Even the case that we're just discussing, the James Leninger. I, I, re- I read these things. It's almost, it's confirmation for me because, you know, being a medium, I like to hear the words come from someone else's mouth. It sounds silly, I guess, but it does feel that way. I, I've been given so much information about. Um, I have an Indian guide, and um, and there's a whole, you know group of Native Americans that are family from past lives, they come through and they talk to me. 
And um, I had a medium come to me once and she said, you have a lot of Native Americans standing around you. And I said, I know, but I'm so glad you told me, you know, because it was just so reassuring to hear it from somebody else who could see, you know, what I, I I'm not very good at um, clairvoyance. It comes like once, once in a while, I'll get a glimpse of something, but for the most part, I'm not great at that. So when somebody sees it, it, it's really like meaningful for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand that this book came from spirit, the idea, the concept, the whisperings, all of it came from spirit. But why did you feel that you needed to write it down? What kind of nudges were you getting? So first of all, they were so open about it. Like the people I spoke to in spirit were like, do whatever you want with it. This is not like there wasn't any kind of like agenda or anything like that. It was me saying, I want to do this. And when I first wrote it, I wrote it as a screenplay. Oh, and, oh yeah, because yeah, I thought it would be, I just see it as a visual story. Um, so, you know, hopefully one day I'll get to that point with it. But uh, after I did that, um, I novelized it. And part of why I wanted to get this out is because um, it gave me so much comfort to have this information. And, you know, the same with my, my husband and my my um, family and friends that I have shared this with, um, right. that have experienced it with me, the channeling and, and that kind of thing. Um, it changes your perception of death. And it makes you less afraid. Yeah. And, you know, that's a big one. And then also just knowing that my... So now that I know, like my dad has since passed, my mom and dad and my sister are on the spirit side of life. It, you know, it doesn't make it easier that I can't see them. You know, they're not at our parties anymore, all of that. But it it makes me feel so much better because I know that they're they're still there. They're living life in a different way than I am now. And but it really took that big block of grief off of my chest. And I want other people to feel that. Yeah, absolutely. I lost my dad December 1st last year. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Two months ago. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really tough. And, you know, I know these things. I'm a medium as well. I'm a spiritual I, you know, that's my livelihood. But still, it's hard. And we just want to have some sort of confirmation about our loved ones, how they're doing. Do they make it okay? Is everything going okay? Do they still, are they still connected? We just want to know. Yeah, of course. Right? It's very strange to be disconnected, you know, when they pass and oh. to being able to, you know, pick up the phone and, uh, you know, or drive over, or, you know, it's just a very strange, I think losing parents, it's, it's a very strange thing because you rely so heavily on them. You know, and they're gone. It's like it's it's a, a a rude awakening that you're just you can't do that anymore. Right, right. You know, I was saying I said I'm 58 years old. I'm still being parented, and it's hard. It's really hard. And then I also do quantum healing hypnosis technique, which is a form of past life regression, but but and then some. And so, whenever possible, we go to the client's death scene in their other lives. Ah. Just to find out how and what that was like. And when they see that dying is easy, I've done it lots of times. 
You know, it's, it takes the mystery out of it. Yeah, that's that's another thing that takes that big block off your chest because if you can give that to people, that's an amazing gift. Right. They don't have to fear it anymore. And right. it's not hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In fact, Dolores Cannon, who developed the QHHT method, she wrote a book, Between Death and Life. And in that book, it talks about, yeah, dying is easy. It's like going from this room and going to that room. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think books like yours also give us that kind of hope how, and that just that confirmation of how easy things are. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Um, so this is a very, uh, I feel like it's a timely book. So many people are waking up to this idea of soul family, of reincarnation, of soul path, of soul mates. Uh, yeah. yeah. How, what do you, what are your hopes for this book? Like, who do you hope is going to, to take something away from it? Oh, well, I hope people, I hope it resonates as um, something that they almost remember because as I was learning these spiritual truths, as they were being passed to me, I felt like, oh yeah, like I almost like it's a remembrance. It's a recollection. They were telling me things that I already knew because my soul knows, you know, we come forth here with our, you know, it's, it's the soul carries all the information. So we have it with us, but as you know, we're going through life and it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's all subdued and you don't remember all those things, but sometimes you'll read something and it will make you, you know, go, that's right. It seems to resonate because something in you recognizes it. Yes. You just say, oh, that's a truth. Uh, yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. That sounds yeah. right. Wow. No, and you're, you're getting rave reviews. Um, I'm looking at some of the great quotes you have. Um, have you been doing a lot of interviews around this book? I have been, yes. Um, so, yeah, this this part is new to me, you know, because writing has always been so solitary. Right. Yeah. Know, solitary. Like, it's, it's fun, though, to be able to talk about my book. Yeah, that is fun. Um, and, of course, uh, you're with John Hunt Publishing, right? Yes. In the, the UK, yeah, the fabulous John Hunt Publishing. They do such great, uh, the great work. And this is your first novel, from what I understand. This is my first um, with a publisher. I had self-published another novel that's about alcoholism. Um, and, um, yeah, that's something I put out a number of years ago. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Hi there, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to tell you about a very special event that we have coming up with Radiate Wellness. 
This is the inner journey, discovering your soul's path, three-day spiritual and metaphysical retreat. This is an immersive experience, March 31st to April 2nd. So it's all inclusive. So that's lodging, meals, snacks, and wonderful workshops. So what are the workshops that we have coming up? First, we're going to be doing a sound healing concert with Susan Walter, who's a visionary angel artist and angel communicator who paints beautiful angel portraits. And she'll be leading us in a sound healing concert with crystal bowls. And there will be energy work alongside that sound healing. We're going to be doing a group QHHT session. That is quantum healing hypnosis technique with me, Christy, and we will visit one past life and one potential future life just to look at the arc of your soul and your soul's purpose. We will also be connecting to your inner self and your intentions for 2023. We'll be doing energy workshops and energy healing workshops. And we will do a meditation to meet your angel or angels and learn how to work with them. We will also have a special guest from Switzerland, from Geneva, Switzerland. Mary Jane Stodenman will be joining us to talk about your soul's journey with astrology. So our leaders for this retreat are myself, Christy Clemens Hoffman, Kathy Lesmeister, who's another one of our wonderful practitioners with Radiate Wellness, Susan Walter, who is a Kansas City-based visionary artist and sound bowl enthusiast, as well as Mary Jane Stodenman, Tarot master and astrology uh, teacher in Switzerland. So all of these events are all covered under one price. And there is an early bird special. You can save $100 on this retreat until January 31st, 2023. And then regular registration uh, continues afterward. And again, that will be a, a $100 discount up until January 31st. You can find out more information and register at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. It's right at the top of the homepage. Hope to see you there. Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate U, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, 
guest interviews, and more. And now, back to our podcast and back to our guest. Yeah, yeah. So this seems to be a theme. Why did you choose to have a character in your your recent novel with fetal alcohol syndrome? Well, I wanted to talk about the things that get in the way in life. Uh, for me, um, so I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I got sober when I was 26. And I was a I was a really sick young person, like a teenager in my early 20s. Uh, I was really very, very sick with alcoholism. And um, I, I actually had a, um, a doctor, the, the person who 12-stepped me said to me, if you don't get sober, you're not going to see 27. And it was, it was that severe. And, um, you know, I had to really change my life. And um, once, once that started to happen, once I started to find my own feet, um, I noticed that I started having, um, you know, along with, you know, being able to navigate my life better without all the noise, um, I started having like little glimpses, like through dreams, different things would come through. Um, that's actually the first past life thing I had was I was having little quick dreams of a past life. Uh, but I think that it just really clogs, clogs up the channel. And, uh, you know, you'll in, in before we were born, Jeremy's mom is an alcoholic. Um, and she's, she's just, she's a mess, you know, and, and I was a mess. Like, it's not with judgment that I say that, you know, it's just, it can get you to that place. And it's a really ugly, terrible place to be, honestly. And, um, but she, she turns it around in the end, you know, but Jeremy also was plagued with alcoholism. And one of the things I, I learned from doing research is that fetal alcohol, um, children who are born with fetal alcohol syndrome are uh, more likely to be alcoholics. And it's, yeah, from all, I think it's just having that dependence when they're born. Um, so, you know, I want to talk about that and how that really throws his life off. And he is, um, he's a, he's a, he's really a very unusually perceptive person. And when he's drinking, he shuts that, that gets shut down. And so he's not able to communicate with his guides, but as a little boy, he's communicating with his guides and he's, he's like this really interesting little guy. He's very, very wise. He's, he's not school smart. He doesn't do well, you know, um, academically. He gets held back, that kind of thing. Enjoy his, his little soulmate. You know, she doesn't understand it. She, the other kids are, are making fun of him, you know, and saying he's stupid. And she's like, he's, he's not. She's like, he knows way more than you do. Like, she can't understand. She knows that he's just, he's, he's, she says he's just smart in a different way, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I had a student with fetal alcohol syndrome when I was teaching college. And it was amazing that she even made it to college. But, um, you know, d a delightful girl, but it had some challenges, some obvious challenges and physical issues as well, physical features and things like that. So it's a it's a heavy thing to carry around, I think. Interesting choice for one of two main characters in a novel. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then what about Joy? Do you have any basis for her character? You know, uh, 
there there is a little bit of um of myself in her i guess although she certainly isn't meant to be me but sometimes um i guess looking back after i learned to communicate and feel like you know i i i have a little bit better understanding of myself now and i can look back on my younger years and i can see there were times that i just sort of you know blindly went in a certain direction you know without knowing what I thought I knew, you know, there's, you know, there's points where she just loses patience with him and she, she doesn't know that he has fetal alcohol syndrome. She knows that he struggles in school, but she doesn't find out until really towards the end of the novel. And she's just shaken by it. She can't believe that, 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 that she realizes that she pushed him. She says, why did I, why would I have done this to him? You know, I must've made life so hard for him. And because she just didn't have that full understanding. Right. Oh, so this is this novel has so much more to it than just a simple story of reincarnation. I mean, there's mm. development and growth. There's real intricacy in the characters. That's interesting. How did you start writing? Uh, this, this takes some craft. How do you think you approached it? You know, honestly, because I wrote it as a screenplay first, it was a little bit easier because it broke it down by scenes. So, you know what I mean? And so if, when you write a screenplay, um, it's there's there's not a whole lot of um, of words. Every page is more white than it is ink. Mm-hmm. And there's and there's about 100 pages. So if you think of that compared to this novel that is, I don't remember exactly, but say 350 pages or something like that, a whole lot more goes into the novel, but you have to be able to say things with just um, dialogue. You have to you have to show character with dialogue and with action. And that's really all you can do, you know? Um, so it was really like this wonderful experience to make it into a novel and be able to dig in deeper. But but the screenplay gave me that the outline for it. That's an interesting approach to make it a screenplay first. Had you ever written a screenplay before? Um, no, I, I taught myself how to do it. And, uh, you know, I entered some competitions. I did pretty well and uh, just, you know, got some encouragement. And I had people say to me, you really need to you need to find someone to produce this this film and I was never able to get anybody to look at it you know anybody in the industry um who knows maybe someday you know I'd love that it's 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 you know a dream right if you were to cast this movie which do you have you thought even that far ahead you know um I used to think the perfect person for Jeremy would be Josh Hartnett. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, and I loved Kate Hudson for Joy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that'd be great. What a what a good uh, good combination there. And then um, in the novel, do they do they find out? that they are reincarnated soulmates? 
they kind of tap into that um, when they're when they're kids. They they're both having dreams about this. Um, so so when they come, they they have two um, guides who promise to stay with them, and they're Indian guides, and Native American men, and um, they can talk to them in their dreams. And so they're seeing them. They start talking. They realize that. They both have these dreams and Jeremy's much more tapped in than Joy. So he'll tell her the stories and he'll tell her sometimes, you know, he'll remember things about this Native American life and he'll, you know, tell her things. She'll say, well, tell, tell me more about even when they're teenagers, she'll say, do you remember you used to tell me about the Indians? And he's like, yeah. And she, he's, she'd say, and you dream about them. And he's like, do you not dream about them anymore? And she said, well, no. And then she thinks they've sort of abandoned her, but it really is just that she's sort of shut it off. And so he tells her what they're telling him. And so there's there's almost a continuity to this, um, to the um, the connection to spirit. Uh, Jeremy, you know, starts drinking and as a young man and he cuts off that channel and, you know, it sets them askew. So suddenly there's like this, you know, there's a break between them because of all that. And then they try, you know, they're trying to find their way back to each other. And uh, they're really the the story focuses a lot on Joy's growth, on her. Her character really has to be like she goes from, you know, zero to 100. She just doesn't understand so many things. And then as time is passing, she ends up um, able to tap into spirit, too. But later in life, when she's like, she has to really like work, work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very common for people. We can shut it off. We can grow out of it. We can become disconnected and find our way back. So let's get a bit, little philosophical here. What do you think causes that separation for us? From spirit? Yeah. That disconnection from spirit. Well, I think it can be a lot of things. Um, you know, just you know, day to day, how you're feeling, you know, like one of the things for me is I know I never try to communicate unless I'm in a good headspace because it's not going to be a good communication. It just isn't. I'm not going to get it clearly. I'm not going to understand and I'm going to get frustrated and I really need to bring peace to the table. Mm -hmm. You know, if I want to that, you know, that kind of, because it's an exchange, you know, it's like you're, you have to, you know, you have to kind of bring your best too. And, um, you know, so that can shut it down. Um, you know, anger, anger is a big one. Right. That's a big one. Um, and then finding your way back to it, rekindling that connection. How do you think that starts? I think you have to realize that you've gone off track a bit. And then um, get quiet with it. For me, it's it's getting quiet with, you know, I'll have to sit and I'll, you know, in meditation. Um, or I, a big thing for me is living, you know, near the ocean. We, um, I, I spend a lot of time down there. And there's certain places that just remind me, you know, of just the eternalness in the eternity. You know, you by watching, uh, you know, the ocean and, and uh, the birds and and everything there that they make me feel connected. Um, and sometimes you have to work at that connection. Sometimes, like for me, it's 
you know, if it's freezing cold like it is today, looking out the window and, and acknowledging still, my God, it's beautiful, you know, and thank you so much. I have to say thank you, you know, every day, so many times I just, you know, to me, it's the great spirit, you know, our our creator has provided absolutely everything for us and in the most beautiful form imaginable, there's these life forms around us, the animals and you know, that's, you know, why I mentioned being an animal lover. I just, I, I see God in those animals. And, you know, I, I just, my spirituality is, um, you know, I try to follow this um, ahimsa, it's called, and it's just, it means, you know, non-injury, you know, to all living beings, including myself. And I love that because I also have to remember that, you know, I'm a self-destructive person. You know, I, I nearly... Um, took myself off the earth, you know, by my my own actions against myself. So I have it. I actually have a have this uh, tattoo on my arm. I don't know if you can see it, but it's you know, I don't know how well you can see there, but and it's Ahimsa right here on my wrist because I think of that as my vulnerable spot on my body, and it's like I need that there. That's my reminder. You know, you have to non-injury to me as well as to everyone else. I think we take that piece, uh, not for granted, but we just like, don't think of that piece. We think of non-harm for everybody else. Yeah. Oh, but then we treat our bodies like crap. Yeah. Into our bodies, thoughts into our bodies, emotions into our bodies that really uh, are not in our highest and best good. Yeah, you're right. Amazing. Yeah. Ahimsa. Ahimsa. That's a beautiful word. So what word, yeah. Come from is that Sanskrit or something? I I know it's ancient Indian. Um it's it's a it's what I, I just think of it as my spirituality. It's a it's a concept of, you know, a way of living um just by seeing everything as sacred. Right. Yeah, love that. So what does your spiritual practice look like these days? Um Primarily, I, I I don't, first of all, I, I don't eat animals. I don't use animals in any way. Like I don't wear leather. Or I try to be, I try to be thoughtful about these things. I keep learning things about myself and realizing like I just, I, I, I don't, I don't think that I don't want my life to cause somebody else to suffer, whoever that other being is. And so it's, it's, it's an ever- evolving thing you know and um that's you know I'm, i've learned recently like you know wool is not a not a good thing you know for animals and i didn't know that so i you know i'm not going to throw all my clothes out that i have but i'm like okay i'll make a different choice next time just as an example but um so that's kind of the way i live but um i meditate i pray every day um i started praying when i got sober and i haven't stopped because it's it's coming to that understanding that you're asking someone else for help, you know, and that someone else is, you know, is the, you know, they say in AA something, you know, is greater than yourself. It doesn't have to be God, but to me, it's that great spirit that's like provided this amazing life for me, you know, and I just have to stay grateful. You know, if I lose my gratitude, I'm in trouble. And I, you know, it's in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I think we, we, we can lose what we have if we don't appreciate it. We can. This is so true. 
Yeah. I have to say, good for you for your recovery. That takes so much work, so much dedication, so much courage. That is, um, that's remarkable and commendable. So good job on that. Well, thank you very much. Again, it's like, I, I feel like that's something that for me is just, it's so much relying on that higher power. It yeah. really is. It's more, it's more that than anything else. You know, I mean, make smart choices. Like I don't, you know, I don't do, you know, go out partying with people, go around where people are going to be, you know, part, things like that. But for the most part, it's just, you know, the prayer and meditation and, and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gratitude is really everything. And it teaches us that there's something always to be grateful for and nothing can be taken for granted because everything comes from, from elsewhere and from our, from our thoughts. So, yeah. Um, Do you have any other books in the works? I do actually. Well, I have another, um, another book that's going to be published in October. It's already with um, John Hunt. Oh, yes. Uh, Okay, so that one is called Bridge Jumping, and it's about, um, so it opens up at this young woman's funeral. She's 40 years old, and she's passed, and, um, you know, she's still very present in the book because we have her um, journal entries, but the way I set it up is um, it's about, she has her body cremated into 12 vials of ashes. And she wants the people who are closest to her to take those ashes to a place that's meaningful to the relationship that she had with them. And so she wants all these people to have a chance to do that instead of just leaving the box to her family. And um, the book, the main idea was to follow each one of those vial of ashes to where that person would go and why they went there. And um, then in between, I have um, the woman's name is Paige. And I have her journal entries. And as we're reading this book, we're realizing like, she's very much alive. She's the most vibrant person in the book. And she um, comes to a point where, you know, she is diagnosed with liver cancer and she doesn't have a very long time to live, but she stays vibrant to the best of her ability. You know, it, it's, it's, it, it gets a little dark, but um you know, every every person who takes that vial has a little bit of a different spiritual slant. And I wanted to talk about that for a couple of reasons, because to see how that influ- like how did that influence where they went with those ashes? And also, um, you know, if everybody has a little bit of a different slant, like where is the common ground? Is there common ground with everybody? Because Um, The way I'm, you know, I see the world right now is like, there's so much, there's so much conflict and particularly with, um, you know, between different religions and different, I think so much of it is just lack of understanding that we don't see how much we actually do see things the same, you know, we don't express everything. And so we, and we can't see every people's minds and their thoughts and, So, you know, I wanted to talk about perception and how we're seeing each other and then give that person a chance to talk about, no, this is who I really am. Um, And just to find a way to, um, you know, converge, you know, these different spiritual paths. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I really like that. That's, I'll have to have you back on to talk about that book because I think it would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So very creative mind for a lawyer. <laughs> I have to say, very creative and open mind for a lawyer. So have you always been this creative <laughs> and interested in storytelling? You know, yes, I have. And thank you. I appreciate that. I um, I was an English major in college. And that's just, I, you know, you too? Well, for my master's, I was a theater major for my undergrad. But yeah. Oh, that's awesome, too. You're you're creative, too, then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't written a novel yet. <laughs> well, I'm sure you will. <laughs> what well, I mean? like you've got it in you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but the theater stuff is so cool. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. just think it's an, that's an amazingly, um, you know, creative way to express. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you were a theater major. And, um, you know, have you written short stories, poems, that type of thing before this? Yeah, I have. So, yeah, I, you know, before I went to law school, so I was a single mom for a little while with my first daughter. And, you know, it was the two of us and I was like sending off short stories. I had a little job in a bookstore and I was um, sending off my short stories in my um, poems. And I, you know, I got a bunch of rejections and I got a few things published. And um, but it was, you know, I'd make like, you know, two hundred dollars was think is the most I made on a story. And that was back in the 90s. And um I was like, I'm not going to be able to raise this kid on this. You know, I can't, this, is, this isn't going to cut it, you know? So um, I went to law school and I always felt like this is something I could do. I'm interested in it. I was never as interested in it as I was in writing, um, but it does captivate me. There are lots of parts of the law that are very interesting. Yeah, I just recently had Marina Bruni. I'm not sure if you know about her, but she's an international lawyer and a Reiki master. And approaches the law in a very spiritual, holistic way. Absolutely fascinating. So she'll be on, um, we've already recorded, so it'll be on a few weeks before your episode. But yeah, really good conversation with, with her and taking the light and applying it to law which was interesting and 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 it's it's necessary this has some somewhere along the line this has to change you yeah. know right and i think it's so cool i'll listen to that episode she sounds wonderful yeah. oh she's delightful absolutely delightful you know and lawyers just get a a bad name they're like a joke uh, you know my dad used to tell all kinds of lawyer jokes <laughs> sure but, you know, it's very necessary. We need to have laws. We need to be, be sure that we're adhering to laws, that we allow ourselves to be um, to live our life according to some sort of higher principle. I mean, so it's, it is important. So, yeah. you know, what you were doing there with the law is it was essential and helpful. It is, but I, what you were saying about your your guest that's going to be on it, yeah. the idea of of softening it and looking at it from a more healing viewpoint, mm-hmm. I think that's where we need to go. I mean, to me, that's evolution. Yes, that's evolution. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, 
Well, maybe you could work that into one of your novels. You never know. You never know when stuff comes out. <laughs> stuff comes out. Well, definitely when your new book comes out, I want to talk to you about it because that sounds that sounds wonderful and taking um, the spiritual path and, and fictionalizing it. I think there's a lot of power in storytelling. See, that's what I think too. People ask me all the time, well, why did you write it as a, as a, you know, a novel, as a fictional story? And I, you know, I always say, I think it resonates more with people. You know, we can relate to it instead of somebody, you know, just saying, this is what the truth is, or this is, what I learned, it's just harder to digest than a story. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you can take these spiritual principles, these spiritual truths, and apply them to a life. Yes, you're creating that life in your work, but you can you know, have this physical application or this spiritual application to it. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's fun, too. It's really fun to do it. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything else that you think is important to know? Anything else that's important to mention about your book, your work, or anything that you do? You know, you really covered so much. Um, I can't think of anything really, but um, this is it's been really fun. I appreciate you doing this, Christy. Oh, this has been so much fun. And your website, again, is Kathleen Reddy. Diane, that's spelled D-A-Y-A-N.com. It'll be in the show notes. But I encourage everybody to go and check out this book. It's just a lot of of fun. It's a I think it's going to be an important book. Thank you so much for sitting down to talk with me. Thank you so much, Christy. Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.